Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good afternoon, everybody. So, I am packing up and ready to fly back to Maine. And on that note, I asked my wonderful godsend of a travel agent, Linnell, if she would sit down with me and answer a few of my questions and talk travel. Um, and she was more than happy to, which absolutely made my day because it's uh, definitely a, a fun subject and sort of a tricky subject. And not a lot of people have travel agents these days, and they definitely should. I even asked if she wanted me to put the name of her little company in, in the podcast, and she said, absolutely not. She can't take any more clients. She doesn't want any more. She's got her list, and she's sticking to it, which I think is... Fantastic, because it makes me feel like the conversation's even more genuine. So hopefully you guys all enjoy. And as I always say, if you want to support the podcast, head over to Patreon. The link will be in the description. Those who already have done so, thank you so, so very much. Really trying to put out as many shows as I can, and uh, that's a big part of the inspiration to get out there and, and grab people and sit down and have these conversations. And if you want to just reach out to the show... Head over to SailingIntoOblivion.com and you can contact the show from there. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Linnell. Well, Linnell, thank you for, for sitting down with me. I appreciate it so much. You're so welcome. People's time, I always say, is the most valuable thing. And for you to spend a little with me is really great. It's really hard to say no to you in those sparkling eyes. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> well, and normally it's us chatting on the phone about what flights I'm going to get and where in the heck I'm going. And I, you know, in the past bunch of years, I haven't really been doing much flying compared to the early 2000s when I used to be doing yacht deliveries and it was like Australia and then New Zealand and then St. John and this, that, and the other thing. And you've helped me with a lifetime of travel. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. And it's it's one of those things where I really wanted to sit down with you because it's it's an interesting, I think, industry. And you've been doing it for a long time, correct? 1975. That's when you started? It is true. Oh, holy smoke. So you have. You've seen it all then. Yes, and it's changed a lot. I can only imagine, yeah. I mean, No computers in the beginning. And were you always based up here in northern Michigan? No. I'm from the Holland, Zealand area, so oh, okay. Grand Rapids is where I did most of my work. Yeah. But let me tell you how it began. Yeah, please. Because I think that's the most interesting part of the story. Oh my, I, I'm looking at the, the voice meter on this. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, like, I'm so glad because you have such a wonderful voice. <laughs> Thank you. So my mom, I'm getting ready to graduate high school, and my mom's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh... I don't think I want to go to college, and I have no idea. And there came a knock on the door, and it was this little gal with a briefcase, and she said, how about travel agent training school? And really? I looked at my mom, and my mom looked at me, and we looked at pictures of Jim Neighbors checking into Pan Am in Los <laughs> Angeles. And my wow. mom goes, that's the career for you. You yeah. will love it. 
So I did at home training and then a month in Miami. And I came right back to Grand Rapids and got a job immediately at Wagner Travel. Really? Right downtown Grand Rapids in the Waters Building. Yeah. Well, that is where a girl like me with no training, except for, you know, I know the codes, you know, the city, the airline codes, the city codes. I had to write all the airline tickets by hand. Holy smokes. So there's five travel agents selling airline tickets, but they all have to be written out by hand. And so, and you're in, in that point in time, you're on the phone with the airline. Yes. And then you've got the person probably sitting in the office and you're trying to... You know how we found out about flights? How? The official airline guide was issued every month and you would have to look in it kind of like a telephone book. I want to go from Detroit to Los Angeles and then I want to go from Los Angeles to Honolulu and you have to connect all these flights. And they were because they were like standardized back then. They sort of put out the schedule and they put out the schedule like a bus schedule. And that was it. And that was it. (sighs) And you know how many fares we had? How many? Three. (laughs) So there was first class, there was coach, and there was a discounted coach. Only F, Y, and B. That was it. That was it. And now there's. Premium economy. Uh, I have premium plus upgrade. Exit row. Oh my gosh! So you guys are there, and and it's all. I mean, I I like to think that technology sort of uh, can streamline things, but I also see a lot of times where it really seems to screw things up. Well, it sure made it easier because when I would call an airline. They didn't have computers either. Right, right. And they had a swing table. So they would fill up these airplanes by grabbing a card and saying, oh, okay, we've got one to Los Angeles, we've got one to Detroit, we've got one to New York, and so they put them in piles and by days. Uh-huh. Swing tables. No way. And that's how they were making sure. Oh, that's how wow. they were making reservations and keeping track of it because there weren't any computers. But that really changed soon after, I think. Like in 1976 or 77, our office got three computers and we'd, they'd be on a swing table. So yeah. I could use it and then my, my work oh, companion could... Oh, swing it right around? Yeah. Holy And smoke. that made such a difference. Well, and those would have been the, you know, the very basic computer, you know, green, the green, green screen with the green type on it. And that's all you were seeing. Oh and my gosh. whatever we booked and wanted to ticket, the airline had to send the tickets to us on a teleticketing printer. Right, right. Oh my so gosh. So we'd input all of the information that we needed for the next day. Yeah. And we'd wake up in the morning and there would be piles of tickets laying on the floor. This machine had spit them oh, out all just night long. spit them out all night. Because, yeah, I mean, when you sold a ticket back then, you gave that ticket to the person and they walked with it. Out of your office, there was none of the printing it up at the at the boarding pass, or or would they would they still have to check in? And then there was more. No, that no. was it. That was their ticket. That was their ticket. You forget it when you get to the airport, and you go, "Oh, I forgot." I, my- <laughs> you for you had to buy another one. No way. And then we'd wow. have to file for lost and right, right. But if I sold a ticket to Jerome Rand and he didn't want to go. He could say to his buddy, Bob Smith, give me 50 bucks for this and you can go. 
Yeah, because there was no ID needed or anything, right? Nope. Wow. <laughs> I've I only experienced that when I was in New Zealand back in early 2000s where we went and you would get on a plane without going through metal detectors or anything and i think you had a ticket and you just gave them the ticket and you got on but that was domestic travel in new zealand uh but boy that brings back some memories so much has changed since that pinnacle you know 2001 incident and everything and oh i mean that we'll we'll get into that later as far as how I, that must have been. I can't even imagine what that was like. That must have shook the entire industry. Holy smokes! But so we're we're still back in the seventies now. <laughs> this is this is so fascinating because you know you would think you would think like it just wouldn't be possible without a computer. That's the mindset people are in these days. Yes, but it really was. I mean, it was all just the manual ticketing and oh my gosh. And you know what I really miss? I miss the junkets. Oh, oh, I've heard of that. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so the junkets were, they were Acapulco, Las Vegas. Now, Acapulco, uh, who, who goes there anymore? I don't, nobody ever calls me and says I want to go to Acapulco, but it was a big thing in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. So the junkets were on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So you could either go Saturday to Saturday, Wednesday to Wednesday, Tuesday to Tuesday, or you could go Wednesday to Saturday or Saturday to Wednesday. So you could either go seven nights, three nights, or four nights. And what, what was the whole thing behind it being called a junket? Was it just, it was... Just a charter. Just a quick charter. Just a quick charter. And were they nice and inexpensive? Yeah. How much were we talking? Oh, boy. It would be seven ninety nine. I think, was a week long. But it depends on which hotel you stay at. Right. You could spend twelve ninety nine by stepping up the hotel, but yeah, though that was kind of like the lead-in price for Acapulco, seven ninety nine per person. Oh my gosh! Airline ticket, hotel. Yeah, 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 everything. Well, and that I mean, they they still on the online ones. They you can you can bundle it all together and all that sort of stuff. But so that would have been the original. Don't you like the word junk? I know. Though? It's got this kind of <laughs> like you're getting away with something yeah. when you're using it. Yeah. <laughs> $7.99 to Alcapoco. Let's go oh on a junk. <laughs> oh, oh, and Las Vegas has changed so much. It was so beautiful in the 70s. Oh, well, you know, and uh, before we get into that, I want to ask you do you, are you able to just get crazy travel, like discounts and things like that through? I mean, you would well, assume so, right? Holy of cow. Course. And is that for like you and your family, you and your friends? What? Well, it depends on who is making the offer. So um, let's say a cruise line wants Linnell to sell more of yeah. their cruise line. So they'll make it available to me and my traveling companion. Uh huh. So it would just be one, right? I wouldn't want to fill my cabin up with girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, right. No, for sure. But yeah, they'll try and entice you in there because then you're gonna try and push their yes, their product. Well, uh, you, it's easier to sell what you what you know. Yeah, true, true. We had we always had when I was working in the resorts in the Caribbean, we always had travel writers that were basically put up for a couple of nights for free and they get all the all-inclusive stuff because yep. you want them to have as good a time as possible so they'll write something nice about the, the resort. Yep. So, so you just get a ton of that. Yes. Well, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, it really was more of convincing people to travel because it, well, it wasn't that big. 
it there you know not like it has been yeah before covid right there wasn't right. nobody was offering travel agents any discounts because everything was always full now it's come back a lot because they're like okay again we need you to convince people it's time to go it's time to get going trying right, to get right. out there so early on it was Five, six, seven, eight, nine trips a year. It was cheaper. I always said it was cheaper to leave home and get on that airplane and travel than it was to stay home. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, I, I could see how that that definitely is true. Well, huh. not if you're a good little spender. Like well, me. yeah, if you're if you're super frugal or whatever, <laughs> that that that's true as well. But yeah, I mean, back then it would have been. I can't remember. I I believe i was told that like 80 percent of americans didn't even have a passport um back in the 80s and 90s and i i can remember being sort of the only one around in my group of friends that that had a passport and actually used the passport and stuff and you know normally we were just going down to um the virgin islands or something like that but yeah, travel wasn't like a huge, huge thing. What do you think spawned it in the, what was it, in the 80s and 90s when it started taking off? Yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think it could have easily just been, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that someone said, have you been there? And it, then everybody was saying, have you been there? And then who wants to be left behind? Right, right, exactly. You get you FOMO, fear <laughs> of missing out. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it just snowballed and everybody started going and it wasn't really that expensive, right? I mean, it wasn't travel wasn't something that only the rich could afford. No, only if you, you know, had to fly first class or something like that, right. but I mean, it yeah, it seemed like it was always reasonable. I remember having to fly to to London a couple of times and it wasn't you know, you would think, "Oh, it's going to cost thousands and it's only a few hundred if you Pick the right flight. Yeah, the right day. If you call the right person. That's what I should say. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, you have gotten me out of a bunch of jams from me missing flights to the flights being delayed and missing connections to, I think the only one that was uh, out of everybody's hands was um, when the ferry broke down on me trying to get out of the BVI. And so it wasn't the airline's fault that I missed the flight. And it wasn't really my fault, but the ferry guys <laughs> even says on the ticket they're not responsible for any of that. But I, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that uh, that hear that we always use a travel agent, and we're always like, "Yeah, well, no, she's the best." And well, the the reason why you really want to have one because we went out of when the internet when everybody started getting a phone and they could do everything right on their phone mm -hmm. they thought what do we need you guys for we don't need a travel agent but what you really need it for is when something goes wrong bingo i've learned that the hard way multiple times <laughs> where i'm sitting there reading the fine print of some ticket that i bought <laughs> And it's telling me, yeah, oh, essentially, no, I don't have any rights to anything now, and I just have to go and rebook something. As opposed to when something goes wrong, I just call you. And I fix it. And you fix it immediately. Right. I, and I know you probably can't give away like your secret. Oh, sure I can. Oh, really? Oh, yes, I can. So what's the deal? How, so 
let's say I get down there and um, my flight is delayed and I miss my connection. I'm going to fix it for you. How? How do you fix that? <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> it doesn't work. I've got a tool that only travel agents have. Oh. It's called a GDS system. It's called General Distribution System. And I subscribe to it. And you have to be an IATA member, which I am. Are you allowed to talk about this? Yes, I okay, am. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Don't get you in trouble. And so... I have a computer that gives me every airline all the time, last seat, a minute availability. And so if you're in trouble and you need to get on another flight, mm-hmm. I can just book it for you. Issue the airline ticket, exchange the airline ticket, tell you to go to the gate and pick up your new boarding pass. Now, you could do that by calling the airline that you bought the airline ticket on. Uh-huh. But they might not have space for you, and they don't book other airlines. Yeah, flights. that's what I've run into where they're like, well, we May- can't put you on that other one because right. they have to pay for it or whatever. Right. And you would have to pay for it, but there's always a case of you'll be able to reuse or we might be able to refund the ticket that you can't use because it got canceled or something, right? I can get right. you your money back on that one if they canceled the flight. Yeah. And then you have to buy a new one. But... Sometimes you only have a few minutes. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's you're like supersonic. Yeah. So I can just grab, like, if you call me from the, you're sitting on the plane and you said, my flight's been canceled. What am I going to do? I would say, oh, well, you're in luck. There's a flight leaving in 45 minutes. It's United's. It's $300. I'll get you your $300 back on the Delta flight you bought. And I just issued your airline ticket. Go to the gate and pick up your boarding pass. You would never be able to do that. Never. I have tried. I've been sweating it out, yelling into my phone, talking to people, and just absolutely mystified. And you know, for me, a lot of the time too is is when you're in when you're flying international and you're in another country and things start to go a little iffy. Uh, it can be pretty intimidating, you know, trying to talk to the airlines there and and all that sort of stuff, and sort of having this person that you can call yes and someone you also trust exactly yeah you know you're not going to get yes you can believe them with yeah yeah exactly yeah they wouldn't lie to you because they're your friend so every person who calls me these two boxes are full of people who call me oh wow nice every person who calls me i know them i know their travel history right right i i know what they like I know what they want. That's your clientele base right I there. I love it. And is it still growing? Yes, but I don't want it to grow oh, anymore. <laughs> oh, really? So you've topped out. You've, you've I, reached your, your limit. Well, we shouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't no, know. But you know, I, I'll speak for all travel agents out there. It, it doesn't have to be me. Right, right. There's, if you're a savvy traveler, you have a travel agent. And if you... Are a savvy traveler without one, maybe you don't need them, but you 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 would know because if you've been in trouble and your flight's been canceled and you've been able to figure it out, you're good. Then maybe you should be a travel agent. Well, there you go. Yeah, maybe you've got the sort of the mindset it <laughs> yes. takes for that. Because... Yeah, you need a new career because <laughs> I think travel agents are coming back again. Well, it's I I don't want to sound like uh, I'm bragging when I tell people that. 
when we try and plan trips and stuff and I'm saying, well, let me call Linnell, my travel agent. And they'll kind of look at me like, you're a travel agent? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> let me tell you a couple of stories. <laughs> and it, it's true. I mean, I have, I have danced with the devil and, and <laughs> bought online and, and even paid the extra for what, what they call quote unquote travel insurance. Oh. And then had things go wrong, and then the fine print really comes out, and it's it's just like a nightmare. And I'm I'm just like, why didn't I, why didn't I call him now? Yeah, people always say to me, should I buy insurance? And I said, well, let's talk about that because there's all kinds of reasons to buy insurance, and there's also all kinds of situations where insurance won't do you any good. Like what? Okay, so you need insurance if you're going on a cruise. You're going to be out in the ocean. Mm-hmm. You're 70-some years old. Anything can happen to that age group. Right. If something happens to you, the cruise line's going to call a helicopter. They're coming to get you, oh, and you're going and to you're pay, gonna for, pay it. for it. And a helicopter is not cheap. Right. Now, you say to me, I want to buy an airline ticket, and should I insure it? Mm, maybe not. Your airline tickets you can reuse towards future travel right now without any penalties with Delta until 2024. Oh, Why would you, you insure that? If you end up being like, oh, I'm not going to use this flight. Yeah. Then, oh, you can use okay. it for the next two years with no penalty. Why would you buy insurance for that? Right, right. And some people think, oh, well, if I buy insurance, that means if I don't want to take that trip, they're going to pay me back. No, that's no. what that 36 pages is. Yeah. Well, I always say to people, the big print gives it to you, but the small print takes it away. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's, I, that is just another reason why it's, I think it's so valuable to, yes, to because, have a travel agent. Yes, because I'm going to tell you when you need it and when you don't. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you about it. We're going to talk about your family. Why? What would be the reasons why you would cancel? Like if yeah, a man of your age, I would say to you, well, what are the chances that medically something's going to happen to you? Maybe you want to buy the insurance policy, but but if you had an aging parent or kids at home, right, I, right, then I would say you probably should have it. I don't even have insurance for my boat. <laughs> when I go out to see if she goes down, it's all over. <laughs> Oh, well, your mother has missed so many nights sleep, Jerome. Oh, I know. I know she has. I've always, I've always felt bad. That's, that's one of the biggest drawbacks about doing, doing some of the things that I do. Is oh. There's people that care about you that have to constantly worry. My mom always tells me that I'm, I will never understand because I don't have kids of my own. And she's right, 100%. She yes. doesn't need to tell had, me 80 when times. You, when you were sailing into oblivion, I can't tell you the number of times I talked to your mom. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. And she would be, oh. Wow. And she was getting a pretty dulled down uh, description of the events that were happening out there. You know, I didn't tell her that the water maker broke uh, until I think I was. I think I was back on land when I actually told her that, yeah, I'd been catching rainwater for the last 200 days. Because I didn't want her to worry. <laughs> that was sweet of you, Jerome. Well, you know, anything I could do for my mom. <laughs> she is a really great mom. Oh, my gosh. She, she's absolutely the best. It's 
Didn't you run out of food too? Uh, pretty darn close. Yeah. The old man, he, he made the uh, connection in the Falkland Islands so that I could pull in there without having to stop, which that was my biggest fear was that if, if I did that, I would have to actually pull in there, anchor, clear customs, do all that. And therefore sort of the, the nonstop aspect of the trip would have been gone. Done. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just glad it all happened the way it happened. And I was able to just meet up with a boat and not even tie off. They just threw all the food right over and I, <laughs> I just floated on out of there. But, you know, it was really, it was really, uh, timing wise, really scary. Cause there was a big storm that was coming in as I was sailing into these islands, which I didn't have a good chart for. I'm sort of like looking like, eh, it doesn't look too shallow over there. I'm not seeing any breakers. And then like a hail squall would roll through and then I'd be back to try and get up into this little area and there's whales and I'm waiting for this boat and. Gosh, I was so hungry. I'd lost about 45 pounds by that point. It was it was extreme travel. <laughs> <laughs> by but you know, I've always wanted to go. I think before I before I pass on, I would love to do a, a little trip down to the Falklands. Well, don't take so many chances and I'm sure you'll get yeah, there. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because you're awfully young. Yeah, well, I think I, yeah. But you never know. Uh, some of the risky stuff, you never know what happens. But uh, we don't have to talk about that. Because <laughs> I'm sure my mom's going to listen to this one. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, just too, too funny. What else did I want to tell you? There was something else that was really, I thought, I got to remember to tell Jerome this. And now it slipped my mind. Well, until you remember it, which I'm sure you will, what... Uh, do you have a destination? Oh, well, well, before you were you were talking about Las Vegas. I've never been. I've always wanted to go, but uh it's just never a convenient time and a big wad of money has never I'm... never come my way to the point where I've been like, "Let's go to Vegas." <laughs> well, I haven't been there in a really long time. I was there in like kind of not the beginning beginning because I'm not quite as old as, you know, the Rat Pack, but that was when it was so beautiful. Just smaller hotels, but now it's just, you know. Was that Las 60s Vegas. and 70s? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. The Stardust. They tore them all down, you know, just build all these. Yeah, it's all ones. the big corporate ones now, right? But Las Vegas is still a lot of fun, but I'm not much of a gambler. The entertainment I They've like. They've got a lot of good entertainment, though. You yes, and to... restaurants. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. of course, that pawn shop is there. Oh, did you go there? No, it wasn't oh. there when I was no, there. No, it wasn't there either. <laughs> oh, the Pawn Stars or whatever they called. Yeah, 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 Pawn Stars. It's uh, it, I, you know, I used to watch that show a lot. It was, it was pretty entertaining. It, I only see clips of it now on YouTube now and again, but uh, yeah. it, it'd be somewhere where I would want to go. You'd get starstruck seeing those guys. You'd be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, Rick. <laughs> I don't know I, how much is going to get this. <laughs> I feel like he would take everybody, though. He's very good at his job. Oh, yeah. He it seems like it. Oh, yeah. He would not make a good travel agent. <laughs> no. Uh -uh. <laughs> yes, because we always are looking for, or at least I know I'm always looking for, the best price, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's, let's get you the same thing everybody else has got, but. You're trying to price. save as much money before the customer. Yes. He's trying to he's, save. 
Yeah, he's trying to make he's all the money. He's trying to make as much money on his customers. <laughs> exactly. As he can. Well, I, you know, I, I did a podcast not too long ago and was telling the story of, um, oh shoot, I forget the guy's name, but essentially, uh, post World War II, he wanted to get to Australia from, uh, I think he was in Panama. And there was there was a huge lack of shipping. Everything it sort of just was waiting till the dust settled from the war, and so he ended up buying this little sailboat and trying to sail back to Australia, where he had married a woman while he was stationed over there. And I got a question or a comment on, I put it up on YouTube, and and one of them was like, "Well, I don't know why this guy just didn't take a plane." And and then I sort of was like, yeah, actually, you know, that makes sense. But I researched it and flying to Australia, even as as not so long ago as like the 19 late 1940s was insane and crazy expensive with like 30 stops to get there. And they called it the kangaroo route or something like that. And they had accident after accident. You ever oh, hear any is, of the history no, of but, that? But isn't it so true, Jerome? That is not very long ago. I know so much has changed in the the whole industry of of moving people from one place to another to another and doing it quickly, and being able to purchase the tickets like and go the next day, sort of thing. It's crazy. It, it's unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, I, we're really lucky. I always, I always sort of. Uh, equate the the i don't know i guess i would i don't want to call it the golden years of air of air travel but maybe the i don't know what the right wording would be but when i picture indiana jones getting on one of those silver planes and he's all decked out and everybody's all dressed up and all that because they used to do that i remember even as a kid you would see a lot most people were wearing you know ties dressing up because it was it was sort of a big Big deal but yeah, seeing him go and do all those different little hops, I don't know how accurate that was, but... Now everybody wears pajamas. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yoga pants, you got their neck thing, got the big headphones on. It's like, hey, I just want to be comfortable. Because it's not as, you know, it's not as comfortable. I Do you think the comfort level on planes has yes. shrunk down or gotten better? They're changing that, though. They're giving us back. Remember when we used to have first class business class and coach? Mm-hmm. Now we have... First class, we have our business class. They don't call it business class. They call it premium select or premium economy, which is uh, eight inches more leg room. Right. And more seat width. And your seat has like a reclining chair. It has a foot Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are pretty nice. So they're making it more comfortable. You just have to pay a little bit more. Yeah, 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 true. Well, and that's, I mean, that's what it's always, always sort of been like is that dream of, of somehow getting upgraded for whatever reason to like first class. And I've, I've heard people tell these stories. I don't even understand how that whole thing works. <laughs> Sven somehow <laughs> seems to always get onto some list where he's, he's checking his phone the day before his flight. And he's like, Oh, I'm number two on the upgrade list. What does that even mean? He, it means he's got the right credit card. Oh, okay. So you pay with certain cards that have airline miles and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You and and the the Delta Reserve card. Yeah, is the best one Delta offers, and you anybody can have it for five hundred and fifty dollars a year. 
Oh, really? Get you into the World Club. Which is? Uh, you know, the like if you're into... Oh, oh, right, Get right, you right. into the club. And it does get you on the upgrade list, but you also have to travel a lot. And he did a lot of back and forth. Oh, he still is, yeah. New Mexico, yep. Florida, North so, Carolina, back, back, back. Once you get status, so you go from silver to gold to platinum to diamond. That's what those things are. That's what those things are. So once you're a diamond medallion, that means you can buy the cheapest ticket and you always get comfort if, as long as it's available. And then you are on the first class list. And that first class list is based on, do you have the reserve card yeah. that, that moves you up in the list oh. and how much did your air, how much did you pay for your airline ticket and when did you buy it so it all plays in to how you got on that list gotcha okay cuz you know all those different perks and things were just a complete mystery to me <laughs> until i think you had me get the 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 delta app or something like that and so i could actually see the miles accumulating and then actually use the miles as well which... yeah we just got to get your password figured out oh my gosh yeah i well yeah yeah there's a lot of technology and old jerome don't work out all that well together well, look at this i know here you have. i'll tell you uh, this, yes, that's not always true. Well, this this <laughs> podcast has has become quite a uh, passion project mm-hmm. for me, and um, I I I enjoy it more and more for two reasons. One, because I get to it gives me a chance to sit down and and have these one on one you know discussions with people, whereas it's just not so common anymore that you get to just be like, hey, let's just sit here and talk for a, for an hour. <laughs> what do you say? It, it's a perfect excuse for that. Um, and the other one is that the the reach of it is is growing pretty much every time I put another show out, and we're having our best month August this year. We'll we'll get to just under like twelve thousand downloads or something like that. That is fabulous. Yeah, and is I mean, it, it's still I have no small, idea what that means. So I don't really know either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that means that you know there there's. That many. Uh, you have a my... big following. It must be a following. Uh, I well, I, I I think so, but I I do. I've seen little thumbnails and and watched some little videos that say you know the number of downloads doesn't really matter because it's sort of this abstract thing. But I don't know. I it's one of those things where it seems like from the data that it it continues to grow, and I I do know that I get a lot of uh, emails and such about the show and people asking more questions or they want to know this or that, or just comment on what we talked about, which is awesome because then I, I know that it's, it's definitely becoming more engaging for, for the listeners, Yeah, which is what I want. And everybody you know, likes to be entertained and maybe people are sick of television. Maybe they're like, I don't want that cable bill anymore. I can get everything I want. to Jerome's podcast. Exactly. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> show. <laughs> Okay, so quick question. Yes. What's the favorite, like mind-blowing, number one place you've ever traveled to? So everybody always asks me that question. This is like the question about when people meet me, they're like, what's the worst storm you've ever been in? (laughs) And you know what? I'm afraid I'm going to have to keep that a secret. Really? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, because... 
everybody always wants to, they all, everybody says, okay, where's your top place to go? What's your most favorite thing? And because I think they think that's what they want to do too. And, right. I, and I always say, but this isn't about me. Yeah. I want to know what's your dream. When you think about this vacation and the investment you're going to make, what what do you see around you? Is it palm trees? Is it mountains? Pyramids, perhaps? Yes. I mean, I want to know what you're dreaming about because you came to me wanting to go somewhere. Right, right. I, I don't want you to say, I don't want to send you to the place that is my favorite because the real truth is my favorite is just a great beach somewhere. And that's not everybody's favorite. Oh, right, right. I, I I like my toes in the sand. It's a pretty good feeling. And it's like 82 degrees and the water is like 82 degrees. The color of the ocean. Palm trees. Oh, the tiki bars. And the tiki bar, absolutely. <laughs> the Caribbean music. Oh, I, it's so good. So yeah, good. So, I mean, I, if it... I like going on adventurous vacations and doing a little bit of sightseeing and seeing some museums sometime. In fact, I'm going to go to Ireland this month and then I'm going to, but guess where I'm ending at the end of my little junket to Ireland? <laughs> I'm headed to Nice. I want to be on the beach. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Oh, very So I nice. always seem to get drawn to 70, 80 degrees. That's. Yeah. Hey, that's just about perfect in my book. I one of the things that I really liked about living in the Caribbean for as long as I did was nighttime on a beach, either the full moon or the stars, and it's warm enough to just have a pair of shorts on. You can jump in the water if you want, or you just walk that beach under those. Ah, it. I did that so many times. I'm almost sick of it, but I'll (laughs) never be sick of it. Like oh. me either. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And you've been obviously to the British Virgin Islands. Yes. Yeah. That's, so gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. They call it nature's little secret. Secrets we out though. We shouldn't be talking about it. Well, they they need <laughs> I think the Caribbean as a whole really wants as many people to come back down there as possible. Cuz nobody's been there. Well, they had two such years. a you know, especially the BVI, they had 2000 17 hurricane irma and maria so a lot of the places just got destroyed and then they just get all these new nice places reopened and then covid hits and then whop and so i think they are really itching for an influx of very hungry yeah no absolutely so get get out there people yes get out there this is your year let's start (laughs) traveling If not, if not 2022, then start off fresh in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes, I, I, I really think people are getting back to it. I, I hope so because it's, it's memorable when you go and you, you have these experiences when you travel. Uh, that's the time in my life where I'm, I'm always like journaling and all this, and I look back on it, and yeah, I mean, you have to go through some aches and pains to get to some place. But it's still, it's always going to be worth it because you're experiencing something new and beautiful and and crazy. And I think you grow as a person. And I do agree. The getting there is 
the least favorite part of it. But that's where you come in. <laughs> dun, that's dun, where dun. I'm going to make it as easy as possible. If you wanted to, if if what would you recommend to somebody that, that was like, boy, you know, Linnell, I really want to go down to the Caribbean, but it's such a headache. It's so hard to get down there and all the flights and uh, I don't like doing any of that. What would you recommend to them? Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Just get a book, download some movies, pass the time, get to know somebody, or stay in your own little corner, whatever you like. But Fork out the dough for first class? Yes, get over there. That yeah, get yourself an airline, credit card, start spending money, and, and then get you those can go for up. free. Yeah, no, well, that that's the thing i never really understood maybe you can shed some light on it the miles when you accumulate those you accumulate those by flying yes right but the vast majority of them don't they get accumulated when you use the like an airline's credit card to then purchase stuff i have airline credit cards and i pay all of my bills with that really mm-hmm. okay and that's i don't all write just checks so I, so far, have just a little over 700,000 Delta Sky miles. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> because I haven't really gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I've been saving them for a long time because I have a goal. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm in that movie up in the air. <laughs> this is George Clooney. <laughs> I really want to go one winter... To New Zealand. Oh. And I do not want to go and coach. No, you definitely don't. I've done that <laughs> twice. No good. No, it's no bad. bad. So Delta flies those lovely aircraft to Sydney. Mm-hmm. They don't fly to New Zealand, but that's okay. I'll spend a little time in Sydney and then oh, just yeah. take a quick little flight over to New Zealand. Yep. And so that's my plan. But... I have two really sweet dogs, and I can't go until they... Oh. You don't board them? Never. Never. You and my mom, I tell you, with the great Dane at home, she, uh, I'm like, hey, you guys should just go down to Florida or whatever. Go for, you know, get out of here. It's going to rain all week. I, we're not going to board the dog. Nope. I would board that dog in two seconds. Would you? Yes. Because you they don't have, have a lot a dog. of fun in those boarding boarding <laughs> houses that they go to. You think so? Sometimes. <laughs> the one up here is great. My dog doesn't like it. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I'll tell you the one way my parents had before Addie, the the Harlequin Great Dane. Yep. I think she broke out in like hives, all stressed out. She was a pretty dainty Great Dane though. This one, I think, would jump, jump for joy. But I get to hang out with other people. <laughs> yeah, no, my little boy, he don't want to go there. <laughs> really? Oh, that's too bad. No, no, but that's good. Because then I just keep spending. Oh, they, keep I just saving, keep racking them racking up. Them I keep, up. yeah, keep saving. Yeah, no, I really like, I really like knowing that I can go anywhere I want, like if, I said, tomorrow I wanted to go somewhere. You could just go I for it. I could just go for it. I wouldn't need any money. I'd just go at Delta.com. Yeah. And just book my ticket it. and go. Holy cow, 700000 I know. Isn't it crazy? Have you seen that movie, Up in the Air? George Clooney and... I didn't. Uh, 
Ah, well, he's he's basically a he goes around to companies and he's like the the firing guy. So if you've got fifty people you have to let go, they bring him in and he does it. So he flies three hundred something days a year. Oh, just firing people. Oh yeah, yeah. That's all it does. <laughs> and that, the premise of it though is that he's he's saving his miles and he's up to he's trying to get spoiler alert he's he's trying to get to ten million. Because he he'll be like the seventh person ever to do it. He'll 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 get his name on the side of a plane, and he gets to oh. you know it's all through American Airlines or something like oh, that. Oh, how fun! Um, but it is you know it, it. I always really liked that movie because it's it's a lot of it's filmed in the airports and stuff. And I I did I used to do so much traveling. It it sort of became a second home for me. And I thought you know when I was doing all those presentations right after I got back, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna be like the road warrior in the air and flying. And, <laughs> and I had my fun with that, but, uh, you know, obviously things changed, but, oh man, it's, it's a, I definitely recommend you watch that movie. It's yes, really good. I'll Up do in it. The air, I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. The next cold day, yeah. <laughs> which are, which is going to be coming so up soon. soon. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. It's, uh, although it's, it's kind of nice. The last few nights or, or I guess last night was a little cooler. But man, it was getting muggy and hot. I because I live in a tent when I'm up here. What? Yeah. Oh, they're nice. You know, the tents. Uh, they're about as half as big as this room, so it's like ten feet by twelve feet, but with you know seven foot ceilings. And I have two of them. I built platforms for them and stuff. I have a hard time sleeping in uh, indoors fully. Like you know, I, when I'm out in Maine, I live on the boat, and all the portholes are open and the hatches are open, so I'm essentially outside. Right. And when I'm at sea, it's pretty much the same way. Um, right. And so when I'm back in, in Petoskey, I always, I'm like, get me in the woods. That's where I need to, I need to feel the breeze. And I don't know, I've always liked it that way. No windows? Don't have any windows in that house at your mom and dad's well, house? Well, they do, but I, you know, there's something different about it. You don't have to, you don't have to contest with uh, raccoons and skunks in the middle of the night. I like my life to be as much of an adventure in every aspect I, I can You get. are fascinating. <laughs> I'll show you a picture of the, uh, the tents if I have one, and you'll, you'll, it's very glamping. It's glamping. Oh, big time. Well, I have a solar panel and a little battery, and... So I have electricity and lights. And one year, I tried to up the game and have a refrigerator out there, but uh, it just ended up draining the batteries way, way too fast. And I, I could never really keep much that cold. <laughs> so I go down to the house and get ice. <laughs> yeah, Mom, I'm home. Yeah. Good morning. What's for breakfast? <laughs> nah, as long as I can make coffee out there, that's, that's pretty much it. Because... That's you bring so nice. food into the equation and the animals. I've already got chipmunks and all this stuff. I had a great uh, little sit down this morning and I'm watching one of those pileated woodpeckers, probably yeah. this big. And he's about 15 feet away going to this tree. I mean, they're just massive. And they, it's like that typical. They wake you up. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> the raccoons really wake me up, though, when they start skittering around the tent at night because they sound a lot bigger than they are. They chatter a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, and they just, you know, the the way they walk kind of in the middle of the night, my brain says that sounds like somebody carrying an axe. <laughs> but in, in reality, it's just a skunk or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, um, before we get too far off track, 
I did have one question. I I don't know if this is just a myth or whatever, but um, was there ever such a thing as the round the world ticket? Yes. What was that? Yes. And in fact, can you I am, still do it? Yes. And I think it was someone in your family that I would be. Would would it have been you that I would be buying around the world tickets for? Because um, your mom had me. Who? Would, it might. There might have been. There was a time where I was headed to England, and I was going to be there for a month or two. And then I was flying to Australia via Japan, and I was going to be there for a few months. And then I needed to fly back to England. See, it's the and back. And I think you were saying... It's the back that you can't do. It's, yeah. So, so, yeah, how does the whole thing work? Okay, so it's pretty easy. All airlines have partners. So you can see it on the very bottom of their website. Oh, yeah, They'll yeah, say yeah. which airlines are their partners. Like the Star Alliance. Yes. And all that stuff. Yes. So as long as you keep moving, you just can't turn around. You have to go all the way around the world. Always. And is it, is it always west to east? No. Or it doesn't really matter. It's got to be just one direction. It's just got to be one direction. Once you turn around and want to go back to where you came, it's not around the world anymore. Gotcha. What about north and south? Nope. Around the world. But you could go. You, you could go like yeah. You can zigzag. So, for instance, if I if I had like a month and I could go from New York and then I would go up to Greenland and then go to Iceland and then down to England and then maybe Italy and then maybe Dubai and then Thailand and Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and then California and then back to New York in a month. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't get to spend a little time, but essentially, isn't that the thing, though? Yes, that that's the thing, though. You can just keep doing it. And do you have to book the entire thing all in one shot? You or do. You do. Oh, so it now, takes a bit of pre-planning, then. It, it does take some pre-planning, and you it we have to submit it to the airline because it's in segments, so then they price these segments. So it isn't that they go, oh... For $1,000, you can go all the way around the world. See, that's what I was imagining. No. Yeah, no. So you have to present an itinerary. You can change the dates, you know, as you go along. Right. But pretty much it is what you've wanted it to be. There, It is changeable, but then the price changes too. Okay, so they're going to, you're, it's, yeah, it's not one of those things where you could just be. No. Like, okay, pay two grand for this, and then I have 58 stops you're not gonna do that they're no. gonna get you yeah okay but so what's the advantage of it then i mean is it is it discounted at all or anything i think it is it must be it is but and you can say you circumnavigated the world when right you finished it sounds like something right up your alley been there done that <laughs> i did it at uh 4.6 miles an hour or no 4.6 knots so just under five miles an hour but i took a really long way to do it for mine, it was just under thirty thousand miles. What a lot of planning to even to yeah. even <laughs> contemplate doing it is just way out of my realm. I have no idea how anybody would sit down and figure out how much food they need. It took well, I mean, it took me. I'd say the very serious planning began as soon as I bought the boat, and that was essentially a year and a half before 
I left on that trip. And it just got more and more intensive as, as the start line sort of, or the starting date came closer. But even before that, I at least knew, I knew the route and I knew sort of which books to read. And I'd read a lot of them anyway and sort of what to expect. And and that boat wasn't, isn't very big. No, no. Mighty Sparrow, she's small, but she is mighty. <laughs> She and, better be. Oh, she, yeah, it's, uh... Is that, she, is she 24? No, 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 she's, uh, 32, uh, on the deck with the bowsprit and the boomkin. I think it's around 36 or 38 feet, and, um, but at the waterline, I think it's 27 feet or something like that. <laughs> Teeny. I, I just did a story about, uh, the first person to ever cross an ocean by themselves, uh, was a guy named Alfred Johnson, and he left from Gloucester, Massachusetts. This was 1876, and he left in a 20, I think it was a 20-foot dory, like an old wooden fishing dory. Ugh. It took him 66 days to get from Gloucester to Liverpool. Oh, no. Yeah, I know, right? He was in, he was in the shipping lanes pretty much the whole time, so he did see other ships and they all came up to him thinking he was just a lost sailor blown off the fishing fleet or something. Right. Can we help you yeah, in some way? He, he, I think he, the whole time, every time he was like, no, 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 no. Until his, uh, his whiskey supply had run out or something. And, and then when the next ship saw him, he was like, ah, uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> and I think they gave him a couple bottles of rum. <laughs> but the best part of that, that whole story was that for, for the rest of his life, uh, whenever anybody asked him why he did it, he said, because I'm a damn fool, just like they said I was. <laughs> that was his st- standard stoic response to it, and he, he stuck right to it till the day he died. I love that. I know, so crazy. And that was, he, he named the boat Centennial, because that was the centennial for the United States, 1876, and he became forever known as Alfred Centennial Johnson. What a cool guy. Pretty cool guy, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he definitely uh, was very lucky he didn't die out there, for sure, because you get in one real... He got in a pretty bad storm and had to take the mast down, and he got like tipped over and all stuff, and it ruined his food, his navigation equipment. Um, but he, he made it through. And the whole thing started at a card table. A bunch of guys being like... I'll bet you I could do it. <laughs> no way you could do it. I'm gonna do it. As soon as I get money and he gets two hundred dollars together and uh he goes buys the boat and he goes for it. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty famous after that. That's why Gloucester is is a real um it's got a very rich, but I hate to say forgotten history when it comes to a lot of the sailing feats and things oh. like that that went on out there. But most people wouldn't even know who Alfred Johnson is. And, you know, when I pulled in there, being the first person to sail around the world nonstop from a U.S. port, uh, I, I believe, at least the smallest boat, um, you know, there were, it didn't really get much attention or anything like that. And you would think, like, as a gritty hard-nosed old fishing sailing town you know what but hey you you kind of pulled in there and like nobody even noticed you're like yeah what's that how come the coast guard must be pulling them over or something they were guiding me in (laughs) yeah look at that hairy dude (laughs) (laughs) the beard police get that guy a trimmer (laughs) oh man (laughs) 
Uh, well, this has been like fantastic. I, I, I can't uh, tell you enough how many times it's how how much better it is to travel knowing that uh, I have you and you have my back out there. I do, and I say, any time of day or night, you're in trouble. I'm gonna answer the phone. I know. I that's. I mean, and I, it it just only because I've dealt with. The airlines trying to do it on my own because I, like I said, stupidly just tried to buy the ticket online. Um, knowing that, and I'm sure most people have an experience like that, that can all just be circumvented just so easily by having a travel agent. And you know, I want to, when it comes to travel agents, there's two big differences between us. Oh. So Orbitz, Expedia, Priceline. They're nothing but big, huge travel agencies mm-hmm. with no personal service. Yeah. You really have to search out those people like me who I'm part of a really big travel company, Travel Planners International, oh, where there's okay. thousands of travel agents, but they all either have their own office or they work at home. They're, they, they're going to answer the phone when you call, not yeah. press one, press two. Oh, you know, nobody's available to help you now. Our wait time is one hour. You don't run into that when you talk to travel agents. Yeah. But Expedian, Priceline, Orbitz, they're all, they have good tools for finding a low airline ticket price because they have those Oh, yeah. Search engine. Search engine going crazy. But if you use that search engine and you go, oh, Delta has the best ticket for me. Go to Delta.com and buy it. Right, right. Because Be- then... Because if you are in trouble with Delta and you bought it from one of those big people, big guys... They, they do the pointing game of like, well, you, you got to go you get a ca- You get a call Expedia or you get a call Priceline. But it's not so with travel agents like me and our group. We're partners with the airlines. Mm-hmm. So if you go, I bought the airline ticket from you know, Linnell at Up North Travel, then they would be, oh, well, we can help you. Right, right. Uh, immediately, they're sort of like bending over backwards to yes. try and take care of your customer. I feel like I should have like a shirt. You should have merch <laughs> where you're like, I travel with Linnell. Watch out. <laughs> oh, right this way. Move away, first class people. We've got we've got one of Linnell's customers. <laughs> Well, and, and just, just for the listeners who, who maybe have never used a travel agent or something like that, what, what is sort of the average um, cost? Oh, sure. That's, let's tell them that. So depending on the travel agent, they can ask any fee they want. Yeah. Um, what I do is I charge $50 per ticket for mm-hmm. research and issuing it, and if there's scheduled changes and it has to be reissued again, or if your flight gets canceled and I have to fix it, there are no more fees. Right. That that fifty dollars covers everything that would ever need to be done with that airline ticket. Yeah. Now you want to go on a cruise, you want to take a tour, those companies pay us a commission. So I don't I don't ask for any money. If oh I'm, really? If you're trying to like book a full on vacation yeah, through you. Yeah, if you want to book a vacation, it includes a a, a tour company or a cruise line 
then all of my work I do for you is oh, the same just, price yeah. as if you did it for yourself. Oh. So why wouldn't you have one? Right, right. Because we know what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hey. I trust me, <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting with an expert because I am. I absolutely am. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I did have a question uh about the state of travel today. And before I left Maine, I was seeing little blurbs on the news about uh the airlines canceling flights, you know, for no oh. reason and this, that, and the other. And I it, it you know, I heard it enough where I was like, geez, am I going to be able to like fly home? And then I call you and you get me a ticket and I fly home and it's no problem. It is, is a lot of that stuff just like hype in the media, do you think? What? Or have you seen something that you can... Yes, I have seen something. So when COVID hit, we all stopped working except for we all were busy canceling everybody's plans, right? Right. We weren't really making any. We were canceling them. Mm-hmm. So the airlines kind of, you know, lots of people who had, you know, maybe worked in the industry for 30 years, 40 years said, you know what? I'm going to retire. Right? Like, uh, Yeah, it's a perfect opportunity. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure companies gave early retirements, you know. We can't afford to have you sitting around here when our phone's not ringing. Yeah. When our airplanes are flying, we don't need flight attendants. We don't need baggage handlers. We don't need any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we knew fairly early on, at first, when it when it first came out, I thought to myself, oh, it'll be all cleared up by April. Yeah, but yeah. But once April came along, we, were, we all knew this was going to last a while. Mm-hmm. So now it seems to be in hand, you know. Everybody's countries are opening up. Mm-hmm. COVID requirements are diminishing. Some in some countries, not even you know, you, you, lots of people still like vaccination certificates. But you know that will all change too. But so now it's ramping up, and they don't have the employees. They don't have the people to answer the phone. They don't have the people to. So it's a labor shortage then. It is, mm. and then it's all the schedule changes. So, so many schedule changes. The 1st of August, I spent two solid weeks cleaning up schedule changes because I had probably 70 people that were affected by it. And the city that they were flying out of, there were no flights anymore for that city, our little town of Pelston here. So everybody I had to call and say, okay, where would you like to leave from now? Do you want to buy a ticket on somebody else? Should we get a refund on this one? So it was labor intensive. Yeah, oh, I'll bet. So it, it was a mess. Huh. And it it probably will continue to be a mess. And whenever there's a schedule change, it affects people. And some people don't maybe notice it in their email and they get to the airport and they found out, oh, you changed my flight? Right, right. Well, would you like... I'm flying out of here on Sunday. If that changes... I would know about it. You would know about it. Yes. It would come into my queue, and I would be calling you on the phone. Sometimes it's if a couple of minutes or a flight number change. I don't even bother telling you about it. Yeah, If if you're not there two minutes before the flight... Yeah, right. Well, then that's my problem at that point. (laughs) You do have to assume a little bit of responsibility. Yes, to being at the airport. But, um, yeah, so... 
if you you always should check in online twenty four hours in advance. You oh, okay, really yeah. should. Top tip. And you also should download the app on your phone for every airline you're traveling on, because then you're going to get notifications of changes. Boom, you'll see it right there. Oh, right, right. Not just the if if you if you are you know still after hearing these these horror stories, <laughs> if you're still not using a travel agent. The, the app for like yes. Priceline or something, it's going to be like third-hand news to them if you, things change. You would definitely want to have the airline the app. The airline app, okay. So if you buy your airline ticket on Priceline and you're flying Delta, download the Delta app mm-hmm. because Delta will notify you at least. Right, right. Okay. Because, I mean, just my little business here, just one girl, just one travel agent mm-hmm. in this lovely little office lovely space. Lovely office. It's like to- a cabin on Walling. <laughs> it took me two weeks just to rebook all Jeez. the passengers I had. And if you don't do it right away, the flights will be full because now they're, they've, we, we lost three flights. So the rush to get my customers a seat yeah. is enough to keep me working 12 hours a day, six hours, or 12 hours a day for s- six days a week yeah, just because yeah. I want to make sure... That I, I well, I'm sure you now you have to change your date. You're not going to be able to come that day because there are no seats. Right, right, and then your your travel is affected. Hmm. Yeah. So, I'm not. I don't really know the real answer, but I think that's part of the big problem. And don't you see it everywhere? Nobody has enough employees to get anything done. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's I, and it's worldwide. I mean, it really is because just the whole system got shaken up so hard that i think yeah it's gonna take a little while for the dust to settle and things to sort of uh get back and we all just have to be patient and kind to the person we're right next to oh absolutely whether it's the passenger or the person who's you know, Helping flight attendant you. or yes. person you're checking in with. Be kind. Or your travel agent, <laughs> perhaps. Please be kind. I On the flight back here, <laughs> I was sitting next to uh, a teacher who is a kindergartner teacher from my grade school. Up Are here. you kidding? She wasn't mine, but she had taken over a few years after I was in kindergarten. We had this great talk. Holy cow. <laughs> it's a big life lesson. You know, sometimes sometimes when I get on a plane, I'm I'm like, you know what? Give me my headphones, give me my book. I'm just I don't even gonna say much more than hi to this person. <laughs> and then other times, you know, uh, I'm not in that sort of mood and I try and have a conversation and the world is so small. I, those are the flights that go by in an instant for me when you're having a great conversation, almost like what we're doing here. And it's they're, true. They're like, we're already descending. Holy cow. I, I felt that way in first class one time when I flew to Singapore. And I loved that first class seat so much. And when they said, it's, we're, you know, we're coming in for a landing, buckle up. I'm like, oh, oh really? Can we turn <laughs> it's around? Over. Just one more. <laughs> Just one more cocktail. <laughs> I know that's probably the best <laughs> perk about those international, the long haul flights, and you're in first class because the drinks are free and they keep coming. And boy, it is nice. It is it nice. It really is nice from the second you sit down. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, I think everybody has that mentality. I know I do of like, mm, I paid so much for this ticket. I got to earn it back by <laughs> drinking as much as possible. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Linnell, we're, we're well past an hour here. Believe it or it not. Felt, it just felt like 15 minutes. I know. It goes by so fast. <laughs> I, I, um, I can't thank you enough, obviously, for, for having me in your, your wonderful little office. Thank you. And uh, with your busy schedule and stuff. If there were any, uh, any top tips or anything like that, if you, you know, you've got the mic now, for my listeners out there, is there anything you just want to say? Keep smiling. Wow. <laughs> Smile, it's free, and it's nice, and it helps the world around you more than you know. And get yourself a travel agent. (laughs) There we go. There it is. Thank you so much, Linnell. You are so uh, welcome, Jerome. I'm looking forward to my flight on Sunday. 